Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. It's really hard for life to thrive in a desert place like this. But something happened in 2016. There was a torrential downpour, autumn rains, and all of a sudden this death valley turned into this. Imagine that. The flowers started blooming. Life started teeming in the place that was Death Valley. You could call it Life Valley. And the thing about it is the potential was there all along. The the ground was there. The seeds were there just dormant. But one thing was missing. What was that? Rain was missing. So I borrowed someone's umbrella today. This is not my umbrella, so don't judge me. But uh, a little feminine. I think you need to bring your umbrellas because in your life personally, I believe the rain is about to fall. In your life personally, I believe God can do something. I want to make a a little bold statement. I believe next year, we're going to get through the holidays, God willing, but 2022 can be the best year of your life. And you're like, how how can you say that? I'm not promising prosperity or health and wealth, but it can be the best year of your life if you're closer to Jesus next year than you were this year. So I want to encourage you to bring your umbrellas because the latter rain's about to fall in your life. And in this church, God has done so much over the 64 year history. But you know what? We've got to get our umbrellas out because guess what? The, the rain's getting ready to come. So in today's message, a little preview. Some of you personally have dreams that lay dormant, just like this Death Valley. And God is going to send some rain so that dreams that once were dead Some of them dreams can come back to life again. Some of you need giants to be slain. You have giants in your life and you need God to slay those giants. Some of you have hopes and aspirations for your family, for your children, your grandchildren. All you need is a little what? A little rain. So get your umbrellas ready. Today we're going to go on a possibilities tour. We're going to imagine what could be, what should be, and what will be if God wills. We're going to talk about God's church. And I, I got a little, pr- pr- like, uh, I would just say, uh, just a claim that this is not my church, it's not your church, but it's whose church? It's God's. So we're going to look at God's bride, and we're going to look at the scripture, and we're going to talk about what could be. I want to take you guys on the possibilities tour. So if you will, just for the next 30 minutes, allow me to be your bus driver, and I'm going to take you on a tour of what could be. We're going to look at two passages. But before we look at these two passages, um, we've got to talk about the urgent need. Like, it's great to have dreams and visions and plans, but why? Like, why dream? Why hope? Why have plans? Well, Tom Rainier, the researcher, did some studies, and he found out that so much of America is unchurched. But the thing about it is, he said seven seven out of ten unchurched people if you invited them, they would come, most likely, 7 out of 10. But the, the stat that bothers me the most, he said in any given calendar year, only 2% of church people will invite an unchurched person to church in America, only 
So think about that. That means 98% of church-going people will not invite one single person in the calendar year. So I did a little little research. How many of you uh, look at the Asheville Citizen Times paper sometimes? Some of you know. Hendersonville Times. Well, you ever look in the obituary section? How many of you look at the obituary section? Some of them do. Um, on average, this is pre-COVID, 26,000 people die every year in Buckham County. I'm not sure what it is in Henderson County or Haywood, but 26,000 people. I'm sure that number is much higher since COVID. But if you, if you divide that down, that's about 8 to 10 people going into eternity every day. 8 to 10 people. And you're like, well, Timothy, why are you giving this dire statistics? Well, here's the urgent need. If about 10 people are dying every day and going into eternity, what does that mean for the church? What does that mean if more than 70% of people in Arden are unchurched? So the need is urgent. The need is dire. So what I want to do is be a hope bringer. I want to be a barringer of hope that we have the message that can change people's world. We have the message that can translate people from death to life. We have the message that can give hope to the hopeless. We have the message that shines a light even in the midst of darkness. And friends, we live in a dark place. But guess what? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So today, I want to anoint and appoint you as vision carriers of the gospel into this community. You guys are considered ordained and anointed to go out and tell every man, every woman, every teenager, and every child about the greatest love story ever. The story of Jesus Christ. So with that being said, let's look at Proverbs 29. We're going to look at two major passages. In 2020, when we un, 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 unveiled this vision, we looked at these passages. We're going to revisit these two passages because these are two passages that we need to be reminded of, the importance of vision. It says, where there is no vision, the people do what? Perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Let's look at the New King James. And online, welcome Welcome. Where there is no revelation. So that word vision is translated revelation. The people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. All right. The new living is pretty cool. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. So there's a difference between vision and sight. Someone tell me what's the difference between vision and sight. What is sight? It's what you see with the eyes in your head. Vision, on the other hand, is what you see with your eyes closed. It's what you see with the eyes in your soul, in your heart. So today I want to encourage you to not live by sight, which is living by the eyes in your head. But I want to encourage you to live by faith, to live by that which is unseen. Because the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. So today we're going to look at that. All right, then turn to Habakkuk 2, 1 through 3. Try to pronounce that at home, Habakkuk. That's a little hard, right? Um, Habakkuk 2, 1 through 3, a little context. Habakkuk's questioning God. God, why are wicked people doing so well and I'm doing so horrible? Why are you going to let these invaders that we know now as the Babylonians come and ransack us? Why, God? He's asking the why questions. So in chapter 2, it picks up. Habakkuk says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard posts. There I will wait to see what the Lord says. Now, a little question. 
Habakkuk, how can you say what God is? How can you see what God is saying? You ever hear say that expression? I see what you're saying. That's seeing not with the eyes in your head, but the eyes in your heart. I see what you're saying. No, not I hear what you're saying. I'm going to see what you're saying. That's vision and how he will answer my complaints. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets. Who knew they had iPads back then, right? Not those tablets, different type of tablets. So that a runner can carry the correct message to others. For the vision is for a what time? Future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. That's a hard word to say, but it's much harder to do. Wait patiently. Oh, okay. For it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Let's pray over God's word. Father, we are excited that we're on this vision tour of the possibilities of what could be, of what should be, and what can be if you will it to be. So Lord, as we look at this scripture, as we talk about what it meant then and we make applications to what it means to us today, I pray that you would bless each person here. Bless those who are watching online and those who will watch online. And God, I pray that you'd give them a vision for their lives personally. For those who have families, that you would give them a vision for their kids and grandkids as they get ready to meet for Thanksgiving holiday and Christmas coming up. And God, for our church corporately, thank you that you've got a vision for your bride. And it's not our church, it's your church. And we just want to listen to what you have to say to your bride today. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children said, amen. So today I've entitled this message, Beyond. Someone say, Beyond. Here's the thing, God is able to do beyond anything you could ask or think, hope or imagine, beyond your wildest dreams. And here's the reason why. We live not by sight, but we live by faith. And we serve a big God. We serve a God that spoke and worlds came into existence. We serve the God that breathes and stars came out. Think about the star breather. God spoke and stars came and planets were created. And I look around at a beautiful audience today and God made all of you fearfully and wonderfully made. We serve a God that can do the impossible. So today what I want to do is first answer the why question before we get into the what and the how. The reason why we start with why is because you ever ask the question, so what? Why is this needed? Well, the Bible answers the why question first, and I want to get to that. So the first why of the need for a vision is a vision helps get you on the right path. A vision helps get you on the right path. Look at back at Proverbs 29. It says, where there is no vision or no revelation, the people cast off restraint. So here's the, the idea behind that verse. The word vision is the Hebrew word hazan. Someone say hazan. And it's the idea of the prophetic preaching. It's the idea of the counsel of God. It's the idea in our context of the Holy Scriptures. Without a word from God, people run wild. And you see it today. For those of you who have teenagers, some of you have seen it. Um, and here's the thing about it, is that without vision, people, really, it's hard for them to stay on the path. And that's why I encourage you personally it doesn't matter if you're 16 in here or if you're 90 in here, you need a vision for your life because the vision keeps you going on the pathway that God has. So this is kind of my self-talk to my kids uh, on our way to school. 
You can imagine what it's like being a pastor's kid, right? Uh, at least air, air kids, they hear me preach all the time. Morning, night, it just, they, they just expect it. So on the way to school, I'll say something like, all right, kids, turn off your tablets, whatever electronic devices are going on, and I'll give like a 90-second sermonette, and it goes something like this. Kira's vision for her life, she told me, she wants to be a school teacher. And she said, my vision is to be a school teacher at ACA, where she goes to school. And interesting enough, she wants to teach fourth grade. So I'm like, Kira, okay, if God's calling you to be a teacher, and time will tell if that's what he's calling you to do, uh, don't you think you should pay attention to English class? This long division problems in fourth grade, guess what? You're going to be teaching someone this one day, so Kira, you better learn it now because you're going to have to teach someone. So that, I'm trying to challenge her to pay attention because you're going to need this. And I've, I've already told most of you, some of you don't know this, but Gabriel wants to be a what when he grows up? And he wants to be a preacher. And I've explained to him, God has to call you, daddy can't call you, mama can't call you, the Holy Spirit has to call you. But if he does call you at six in your class, guess what? When you learn how to read, did you know that one day you're going to have to read before the people if you're preaching? In English class, when you have to learn to pronunciate certain words, you're going to need that one day. So what am I doing to my kids? What am I trying to do? I'm trying to cast vision for their life. And what that does, if they capture the vision, it keeps them on the pathway. I really wish my 15-year-old self could go back to my 5-year-old self and say, Timothy, when you're 15, you're going to start doing what you're doing now. I wish I could have started earlier than I did. I really do. You ever wish your future self could talk to your present self about your future? What would your future self say to you, your future, about where you're going, right? And here's the thing. God has a plan for all of us. So that verse, a vision helps keep you on the right path. Number two, a vision promotes passion and joy. Passion and joy. Look at the last part of 29, Proverbs 29:18. It says, but happy is he who keeps the law. The idea behind that is there's a godly contentment when you follow God's word. If you go wild and crazy, you may have fun, but it doesn't last. You have scars to show. And, you know, there's really no lasting benefit from sin. There's pleasure in it, but there's no lasting benefit. There's just scars. A number of years ago, there was a Scottish boy by the name of Alexander Duff. And Alexander Duff was sitting on this, this hillside. He was just a young boy. And he had this vision of God showing up in a chariot of glory. And as Alexander was kind of daydreaming, having this vision of God, he heard the voice of God saying, Alexander, I have work for thee to do. Come up hither. Alexander, I have work for thee to do. Come up hither. And Alexander never forget as a boy hearing that vision and that call from God. And all of a sudden, fast forward, he finished grammar school. He went to St. Andrews University and he joined a mission society while he was in college. And he became the first missionary to India from the Scottish church. And in 1829, as he set sail, he began to make a real impact in India. He even opened a school in Calcutta and he established a medical college there. And it was all because, as a boy, he heard a voice, I have work for thee to do, come up here. Have you ever heard God speak to you? Have you ever heard a voice, God saying, I have work for thee to do? Sometimes I'll talk to my kids and they'll say, Daddy, I've never heard God speak. And to their, their question, I'll say, have you ever read the Bible? Well, of course, I've read the Bible. Well, anytime you've read the Bible, you've heard God speak. So if you've never heard God speak inside, you know, like certain thing, like distinction voice, like come up here, I've got work. Every time you read the Bible, God is speaking. Amen. So here's the thing. All of us have heard the voice. 
Go make disciples. Take up your cross. Follow me. Love your enemies. Help the poor. I mean, we've read the scriptures. We've heard the voice. The question is, are we doing it? Point number three, the why of vision. A vision is often birthed out of great struggles. Often birthed out of great struggles. So back to Habakkuk. Can someone say Habakkuk? All right, you guys pronounce it great. Good job. He says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will hear my complaint. So what Habakkuk's saying is I've been pouring out my complaint to God. That's chapter 1 of Habakkuk. God, why? Why are the wicked prospering? God, why are your people going to suffer so much? And he goes to climb up to the watchtower. And the watchtower is where you would see above the wall, you would see who's coming into the city. Is it a friend? Is it a foe? Are our enemies coming? Or is it a welcome relief of friends coming? So he said, I'm going to climb up higher. Whenever God gives you a vision, he gives you a perspective. It's like a 3,000-foot view of your life. Imagine if you could look from now to the day of your death and see your whole life. What would, what would you see? If you could get a vision of what that looks like, what would it look like to live your life in reverse? Have you ever thought about the day of your death? Anybody? Have you ever thought about what they're going to say at your funeral? You know, it, it sounds really creepy, but I, I can, I don't know when the day of my death is, but I can visualize the day of my death. And then I go back to where I'm now, and inside my voice, inside my spirit, I hear a voice saying, Timothy, I have work for thee to do. Come up here. What if God spoke to you today like he's never spoke to you before, and he said, I have work for you to do? I've got life-changing eternity bringing work come up here what what would that be like if you got on mission with god if you joined the great co-mission you and god together what would that look like a number of years ago there was an artist who was working on this giant mural and he, he was painting the colors of the backdrop the blues and the grays and i know we have some artists in here bob and others that paint and so he he got down from the scaffold And he wanted to kind of get a perspective of the canvas. How did the blues and the grays go for the backdrop? And as he backed up to get a perspective, his friend was in the back. He didn't know. He bumped into him. And he asked his friend, he's like, this isn't this grand. This is going to be my creme de la creme, my masterpiece. What do you think of this? And the friend said, that? It just looks like a bunch of background colors. There's nothing there. And he said, oh, I see. When you look at the painting, you see what is there. But when I look at the painting, I see what will be there. That's the power of vision. You see what could be the possibilities. So when I think about great struggles, a story that I've shared with you, and many of you have heard the story about Walt Disney. How many of you have been to Disney World? I remember going as a kid, and uh, as a kid, they, they they would have the song, when you wish upon a it makes no difference who you anything your heart desires your wish may come so you guys are hitting the high notes cuz i can't do it so so you know you you hear this but you know every time i give a vision message i have to go back to disney because here's the thing his his girlfriend broke up with him because she said he has no future 
He got fired from a newspaper because they said he had no good ideas. So he went to Kansas City where this picture is. And let's flip to the next slide. You see one of the buildings. I mean, it wasn't very glamorous. He couldn't really get many jobs in Kansas City. So a pastor hired him as a graphic designer. Wouldn't that be cool to have Walt Disney as your graphic designer for advertising? But he didn't have any place to lay his head, so he stayed in the pastor's, I believe it was his attic or basement, one of the two. And it was great to have a free pad, except that it was mice infested. And that's where Disney got the idea of Mickey. And uh, so anyways, he began to have all these dreams and he set up a board of directors and his, his strategy was unless the entire board, entire board of directors resisted his idea, he didn't go with it because they said it was too small. He wanted a dream so big that everyone say it's impossible, you can't do it, Walt. Unless they had that reaction, he didn't go with it. So fast forward in 1974, the grand opening of Disney. Walt is not there. He's already passed on. And his wife is standing there, and one of the news reporters, don't you love the old school video cameras there? <laughs> we don't have those. I mean, we have different ones now. But anyway, uh, they, were, they were talking to Miss Disney, and they said, you know what, this is such a beautiful thing, Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Wouldn't it be nice if Walt could see what we're seeing right now? And Miss Disney stopped the news reporter in his tracks, and she said, if Walt had not seen first what you're seeing today, you would not be seeing what you're seeing today. Because Walt saw it in here before they saw it here. It takes greater faith to step out and do something before you see it. It takes greater faith to believe God for something far bigger than Disney World. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And Jesus said he's bringing his kingdom. And he said our goal is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's our goal as believers to go after it. It's far biz, bigger dream than Disney World. All right, number four. Now we're going to get into the how. Okay, we talked about why vision. You know, the world needs vision. The church needs vision. You need vision for your personal life, your family, your kids, grandkids. But how? How, do, how should we do it? All right, number four. A vision should be clear and easy to articulate to others. Look at back at Habakkuk, verse two, two, verse two. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. So the idea behind that, there's two different interpretations in the Hebrew. One is make the vision so big and bold that a runner, like a, a herald, can read it as he's running. That's one interpretation. The other interpretation is make it public and easy to read so that when someone reads the message, they can run with the message. And the Hebrew scholars seem to, the ones I've read seem to lean towards the second, which I, which I like better. Because if someone, one person reads it, that's great. But imagine if everyone becomes a herald. The message is so clear that everyone can read the message. And for this context, the message was kind of disappointing, right? Jerusalem is getting ready to go into captivity by Babylonia. Does anybody know how many years they are in Babylonian captivity? Seventy years. So, you know, but here's the, here's the good news. The vision is that we're going to get through this. The vision is we're not always going to be in captivity. So that was part of part of their response to it. So what, what the, God told Habakkuk, there's application to us, write the vision on tablets. So how many of you, by a show of hands, has ever written down a, a vision statement, a mission statement for your personal life or your business? Raise your hand. All right. I know some business owners raise their hand. I mean, and the thing is, is like... 
I want to encourage you to get before God and ask, is this his vision for your life? It's great to have dreams, but it's better to have divine dreams, right? It's great to have plans, but it's much better to have God plans because a vision that has a divine origin, guess what? God's got a plan for it to complete. So write it down, make it clear. Uh, Number five, a vision is not about what is, but about what could be. It's not about what is, it's about what could be. So verse three, this vision is for a what time? A future time. Now, when it comes to scripture and God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen, right? It's, it's going to happen. But the application for you is there's a partnership with God. So I'll give you an example. What is the difference between Peter and Judas? Both had visions and plans. Which one came to pass and which one didn't? Peter's right, because he followed Jesus, even though he messed up royally. Whenever you mess up, you fess up. Right. And he he confessed, he repented, he got back and his life mission was complete. Judas, on the other hand, he messed up and yet he kept messing up. So when it comes to the application, your vision is not on the level of Scripture. So we've got to get that clear. It's not the same as Habakkuk's vision. It's not, it's not on the same level. But when God gives you a personal vision, he requires your faithful obedience. That this could happen if you're willing to follow him. This could happen if you're willing to stay on the course. So stay true to that. How many of you guys remember Adrian Rogers? Preacher back in the day. Okay, if you're over 40, you may know that name under 40. I'm sorry, you never heard of him. Um, but he said a vision will enable you at any given moment to forsake all that you are in order to become all that you can be. So Adrian Rogers, the great Baptist preacher of old, said if you have a vision, it allows you to forsake all that you are in exchange for something greater or someone greater. When Lori and I first met, she didn't know I was going to give this illustration, but... Um, I, I wasn't doing too good in a lot of ways. Um, I was without a job and no money, no honey, right? I mean, trying to, trying to attract a, a young lady that just college graduate, got a job, you know. So what I had to do is I had to start casting vision to her. It took me five months. But how does this guy without a job, I'm just between churches, okay? Give me time, I'll get back in a church. I'm just between I started casting vision. Baby, we're going to travel the world together. We're going to go places. We're going to do things. And we're still working on the world part, you know. We've only traveled through Western North Carolina right now. But it's for a future time, right? Future time. So this guy that had no money, uh, struggling. I still remember, and uh, Lori, forgive me for using this illustration, but I was so broke at the time, I remember only having like $2 for gas. You ever been there? Like... This $2 will help me get back home. And that's how broke I was. And I I just had to cast vision that, listen, I know things aren't very attractive with me right now as far as future stability, which is one of the woman's number one needs, right? Stability. But hey, if you'll just believe in me, we're going to go places. And guess what? I wasn't a singer, but I got my guitar and we went places. (laughs) And we're here together 12 years later because of a vision of what could be. Chuck Swindoll, a lot of us love his ministry out of Texas. He says, vision is essential for survival. It's greater than sight, deeper than a dream, broader than an idea. Vision encompasses vast vistas outside the realm of the predictable, the safe, the expected. No wonder we perish without it. 
All right, number six, a vision that has a divine origin also has a divine what? Completion. Notice what God told Habakkuk. It describes the end. It will be fulfilled. So what you got to do with personal vision, you know, God's word is going to be fulfilled. We know that. But personally, how do you know if it's going to come true? You got to ask, was God in this? Did God did it really speak to me or was it having too much pizza the night before? You know, you can laugh at that. You know, is God is God really there or did I have just have too much caffeine? You know, like you got it. You got and how do you test it? You look at the scriptures. Is it biblical? So in just a moment, we're going to briefly lay out the vision for the church. And the question you have to ask as Christians, is this vision biblical? Like, is it in the word or is it just some fantasy? And finally, a vision requires human patience and perseverance. Look at verse three. If it seems slow in coming, wait. Patient. What's that word? Patiently. How many of you are patient? We had like two people in the first service raise. I mean, it's okay if you are. We've got a few people. Scott, you're definitely patient. Um, I am not, and I have to often apologize. I, and I, I, when I mess up, I fess up. Listen, I'm sorry. I should have been more patient. I should have been a better listener. I should have waited. I'm just, conf- this is church confession. So I struggle with that. I'm just being honest. And uh, I've noticed a lot of type A driven people have the same problems. Am I right, Frank? All right, yes, we're just having a confession session, okay? But here's what God says, hey, if I'm in it, it's worth waiting for. So for all the single people out there, single again, if God is in it, it's worth waiting for the right guy or girl to marry. Don't settle for Mr. Right Now. Don't settle for Mrs. Right Now. You know, sometimes you're looking for someone that's like Jesus and he turns out like the Antichrist, right? Sometimes Lucy seems very attractive, but she turns out to be Lucifer. So so all my singles listening, it's worth the wait. Amen. All the happily married couples said, amen, it's worth the wait. All right, that was on the side about vision. So that brings us to today. I want you to get out your bright orange booklets, okay? Bright orange booklets. And this is the application, This is the application of this. So, like, we talked about the need for vision. We talked about your need for personal vision. Now we're going to go to the church. And as I mentioned, this is not my church. It's not your church. It's Christ's church, his bride. So he sets the agenda for for what he wants us to do. So let's look in the first page. It says our mission. What is our mission statement? To lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. Every mission statement is basically the Great Commission said in your own terms. In other words, we're trying to make disciples. We're trying to lead people to Christ. So if you forget what the mission statement is, you can remember B3. What is B3? Belong, believe, and become. And for all my fabulous detailed thinkers out there, don't think linear about this. It's not belong is, well, maybe that's a small group. Believe, well, maybe that's a gospel presentation, become. Maybe that's a service project. No, it's everything we do is belong, believe, become. So when you go to a worship service, should you feel like you belong? Don't you want to get greeted? Yeah. Should you be able to believe what's being taught from the pulpit? And when that happens, then you become a greater person. All right, let's say you're going to an Arden group, a small group. You know, some of you call it Sunday school, whatever you call it. Shouldn't you feel like you belong in that class, feel welcome? Should you be able to believe what's being taught? 
Does God want you to become more this week than you were last week? Okay, you guys get it. All right, so fast forward to our vision. A mission is what we're about. A vision is what does that look like? Can you paint a compelling picture? Like, okay, we know we want to reach people, but what does that look like? The way we describe it now is we are one family in many locations. And you're like, well, Timothy, I look around and I see one location. Don't look with the eyes in your head. Look in the eyes in your heart. Even as we're standing here now, we have people all around watching this from their homes. We have people from other countries watching this, believe it or not. We have people from India and Brazil and different, they tell us, hey, we're watching. So Arden is now no longer just in one or two services. We're, we're expanding beyond the borders. And our vision is being a missional community of radical, relational, relevant Christ followers. So what is radical? How would you describe that? These are adjectives of our vision. Radical is simply just believing the Bible. If a church today believes the Bible, guess what? That's considered radical by people even in the church. So I just want to declare Arden first. We believe every word in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And we don't we don't apologize for that. All right. Relational. That's the culture. When you come here, it feels like family. That's why Justin often says, welcome home. Right. That's why it feels like you're coming to a place where like I I belong here. And then relevant. We like to say like this, where the Bible changes, not the gospel is, is God's word. It doesn't change. How you present it has to change so people can understand it. You remember the vision has to be written plainly on tablets so that the reader can read it. People have to understand it. So what we say is the Bible doesn't change, but we have to change the way we communicate it. We have to speak your language so you can understand it. All right, let's flip to the next page. Our five-year vision. What we have done, and this is in the context of about six years ago, um, not quite six years ago, we, we, we used Wednesday nights as a forum for members to share their ideas. And for about 10 Wednesday nights, members shared ideas about mission, vision, values. And we went through all this. And over the last five years, we've gotten groups of you together. We've done town halls. This is in the context of prayer and fasting. We came out with this, this goal. And the goal is a five-mile radius, there's about 60,000 people. And as I've said often on Sunday, you, you meet them in traffic at 5 o'clock, right? Every time you see those people, it's like, man, these are people we're trying to reach. That's why I'm stuck for an hour on Hendersonville Highway. These are people we're trying to reach. What would it be like to reach 1% of those people? And you're like, 1% is not a lot. But think about it. That's 600 lives that could be changed with the gospel. And did you know that in Arden, this is pre-COVID stat, more than 70% of the people are unchurched. That stat's probably about 80% now or more. Over 70% pre-COVID were unchurched. So seven out of ten people you run into don't go to church anywhere. It's a glorious mission field, amen? All right, look on, let's flip through the big objectives here. Let's look at the big objectives. So how many detailed people do we have out there? Raise your hand. We've got half of you are detailed, right? So the detailed people are thinking, okay, Timothy, that sounds good. You want to reach people. That's, every church says that. But the big H word how? How are we going to do it? All right, we, we've come up with five strategies. Number one, this is over five years. This is now through 2026. Uh, we want to proclaim the gospel. So if we're going to reach people, we've got to tell them about Jesus. We've got to spread the message. And that's why, uh, shout out to Justin Kidd. How many of you have noticed his social media post every day? Constantly. And you're like, why do we do that? We're trying to get outside the walls of the church. We're trying to get the message of the gospel. That's why, God willing, another week or two, 
We're going to be sending out 10,000 postcards to addresses right around the church. Why would we do that? It's number one. We're trying to get the good news out to people. All right, number two is we want to produce and equip multiplying disciples. Jesus didn't tell us to make converts. He told us to make disciples. But they have to be multiplying because if you lead someone to Christ, but they don't lead anyone else to Christ, it dies with that person as far as from your relationship of multiplication. So we're, we're encouraging you. Each one does what? Reach one. All right. Amen online there. I hear it. All right. Invade the 167. You're like the 160. What? What is the 167? Somebody tell me what the 167 is. What's that? Say it a lot. Zip code. Good guess. That's 287-284. But hours. Okay. There is most of you attend. Most let's just say most of America that go to church, we attend the one hour on Sunday. And that's important. I'm not minimizing that at all. But what about the 167 hours outside of the one hour on Sunday? What are we doing? So what we want to do is we want to encourage you that your job, wherever you work, that's your ministry. Your family, that's your ministry. Your friends, your social acquaintances, that's your ministry. Wherever you live, work, and play, wherever you breathe, that's your ministry, okay? So that's the 167. And... It brings up a question. If you are reaching people with the gospel, if people are getting saved, baptized, discipled, well, who in the world's going to lead them and who in the world's going to be responsible for them? Good question. That's why number four. What's number four? Raise up and empower dynamic what? Leaders. So part of the reason why we're voting on bringing the deacons back, the staff can't do it alone. I mean, we're growing to the point now where we're not able to effectively minister to all the people coming to Arden. Like we're, 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 we're scrambling. And so what we're realizing is we can't do it ourselves. So we're raising up and we're asking God to send us leaders that meet the biblical qualifications. And finally, the byproduct, we've been saying this for two years, healthy things not only grow, but healthy things often reproduce. So what if what God did here, we could do at another location? So part of our goal is church planning. We want to give birth to a second congregation, a second location. And what, what, what the challenge is, is we have churches closing every day now. The challenge after COVID, as I mentioned, Tom Rainier's stat, only 30% of people have returned to church in person. 30%. So churches that were struggling before COVID are now about to close down that we're struggling. So our goal is to identify, is there anyone that we could encourage? Is there anyone that we could give resources? And there may be one that we could give new life to. What God has done here, he can do elsewhere. Amen. So that brings us to 2022. So go ahead and skip to this bright blue page. Is that teal color? It's teal, right? Okay. I'm making sure I'm not colorblind here. All right. You guys are awake. So what we've done is the five-year goal, we've broken it down into bite-sized segments. Because five years, that's a long time, right? Um, 2026, that's a few years away. So what we've done is we've laid out a discipleship pathway. And the way we say this is there's four objectives. Number one is active in worship. So the goal is not just to go to a service, but realize that worship's a lifestyle. But how do you measure that? How do you measure that? So what we're challenging our church is to become more active in worship. So that means that minimal once a month we're here, right? Uh, 
with, with, with COVID going on, it, it's hard with worship attendance. And pastors, it's hard to know what to expect week to week. So we're encouraging the goal. So our goal by 2022 is to have at least 400 people active in worship. So right now, we're probably close to 250, 300 online included. So that would be adding 100 new people to the life of a church. Think we can do it in a year? I mean, you think we can do it? All right. The next step is join an Arden group. We don't want to just have a crowd of people. We want to make disciples. So with that is small group. As we grow larger in worship, we have to go smaller through a small group. So what you'll see is new groups forming. And our current groups are amazing. They're spectacular. But the challenge is we want to keep them smaller. You know, once a group grows so big, it's hard for it to be a small group. It can be like the size of a small church. So what we're doing is producing new groups. Right now, Amy, we've got maybe 13 groups, 13, 14 groups. So we're already growing in that area. By the end of 2022, we want to have at least 20 new groups going. And that's exciting. So that means if you're not in a group today, guess what? We're signing you up right now to a group. Just kidding, but I'm not. We want you to be in community. All right, the third is join a serve team. A serve team is a ministry area where you could use your God-given gifts and abilities to serve. And we got many of those teams from... You know, from the artists like music, technology, um, ushering, greeting, children's ministry, they can definitely use you. The list goes on and on. We have people, as I'm speaking right now, they're in the prayer room. Did anybody know that? During both services now, we have prayer teams praying. Isn't that? Let's give them a hand. No. So the goal for that, just to be specific, we want all of our goals to be smart. They're specific. They're measurable. They're, they're time bound. They're realistic. So what, what we want to do is 400 plus in worship, community, we want to have 20 plus groups. And this is an aggressive goal. We want to see 200 people serving. And you're like, Timothy, that's not realistic. I know the 20-80 rule. Listen, we're going to flip that around this year. We want to see 80% involved in serving. So what that means is sometime throughout the year, you sign up for some service project. So this past VBS, we had 40 volunteers. That's huge. Um, we have different people helping out with ABCCM and different projects. So I want to encourage you throughout the upcoming year, get involved in at least one service ministry that you can be involved. And the finally is exciting multiplication. This is so bright. I need sunglasses. Anybody have glasses in the audience? This vision that God's given us. Oh, these are girly glasses. Is it okay if I, I've got a girly umbrella. Don't judge me. This is okay. Thank you. Okay, it's got pink on the inside. You can't see the inside. This, this is so exciting. Yeah, I gotta not turn my head. This is so exciting. I have to wear glasses because it's, this is the gospel message going out. So you guys ready for the last goal? Are you ready? Who's ready? All right, all right, all right. So we want to challenge you to have a thousand, how many did I say? Thousand. A thousand, I said a thousand, a thousand gospel conversations. Think you can do it? How many of you think you can do it? So we're not going to ask Amy to do like 900 of those, right? So here's how we're going to divide it up. If a hundred of you can commit to have at least one conversation a month, that would be a thousand, right? At least that'd be more than a thousand. So what we're going to do is we're going to have gospel conversations trainings coming up. You'll see that in the new year after the holiday. We're going to have training on how to share your faith. And there's different ways of doing it. Some of you have been taught evangelism explosion. Some of you have been taught, I believe it's like faith. 
Some of you have been taught the Romans road. We're going to try to go through all of them. That way, with your personality, you can pick one tool that works for you. So I want you guys to see how bright this is, okay? It's so bright, I'm wearing these glasses. That you have all these new people coming to worship. People that would never darken the doors of the church are coming. All of a sudden, they're getting in community. I mean, they're, they're, they're part of a small group where they're, they're able to share their struggles and their hang-ups and their hurts. And they're able to have people pray with them. Okay, I'm going to preach to this side of the audience now. Then you have 200 people that are connected in serving. I mean, can you imagine a church where 200 people are serving? What would that do for a community? What would that do for a church? It's getting brighter in here. All right, and finally, I'm going to preach to my wife over here. A thousand people. Can you imagine a thousand people? Gospel conversations. And out of those a thousand, imagine the people that will give their life to Christ. Imagine lives that are changed for eternity. It's so bright, you're going to have to come next week and wear sunglasses. Because listen, the promises of God are yes and amen. Our future is as bright as the promises of God. And one day, when we stand before God, and you get to those gates, or however it's going to look, we don't know exactly. Imagine if you have someone waiting on you. And they said, I'm here today. Because you shared the gospel. I'm here today because some crazy pastor challenged you to share the gospel. And I said, yes. What would that be like? You would get to enjoy that relationship through all eternity. So let's, in a moment, we're going to have some action steps. But I want to tell you what other people think about this vision. Um, It's so exciting. Um, The vision's getting out beyond Asheville, okay? Okay. How many of you have heard of Skip Isaac before? He's on 106.9. He was in town. And I, gave, I had dinner with him, and I gave him this vision booklet. I actually gave him both. I said, here's the five-year plan. Here's the one-year plan. And I shared the vision of Arden First Baptist with him. And he's got a message for you. You guys want to hear it? Skip Isaac has a message for you. Amen. So vision, yes. So vision is not seeing with the eyes in your head. It's seeing with the eyes in your heart. Vision is not about what is. It's about what could be, what must be, what should be, and what can be if God wills. Amen. Three action steps before we close. And hopefully you guys are going to leave here fired up, ready to charge hell with a water pistol. All right. (laughs) First of all, we've got to look ahead. You know, when we look at the need, it's dire. You know, more than 70% unchurched in this community. It's dire. But we've got to look ahead what God has. He's got a plan. God loves every man, woman, child, red, 
yellow, black, and white, old, young, rich, poor. God loves them all, and we're going to go after them all. So guess what? We're down with reaching this town. We're ready to take this city by storm, not, not, just, not just with this church, but we're going to work together with other churches because we know 1% is not a big percentage. We're going to need to work with all Bible-believing churches together. Amen. And finally, leaving behind, some, sometimes we've been hurt in the past by churches. Sometimes the, the challenge is all oh, this vision sounds exciting and I'm ready to be a part of it. But, you know, Timothy, I did that in the past and I got hurt. Listen, God doesn't give us the option to opt out of his plan. He didn't say make disciples unless you've been hurt by the church. He didn't say serve unless you've been hurt serving. Oh, just remember, and I point behind me to this cross And this is something God reminded me of recently. In my spirit, he said, Timothy, I never promised it'd be easy. I never promised that. And when you look at the cross, it reminds you, Jesus endured the ultimate suffering and pain so that we could have life. So why shouldn't we endure a little suffering and pain so others may enter into that life as well? And finally, rise up. The timing is now. The need is urgent. And it's time for all of us to rise up. So I want you to rise up and stand with me in prayer as we close. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the gospel message. And we know the need is urgent. Just learning that in Buncombe County, almost 10 people a day are dying and going into eternity somewhere. God, the need is urgent. The time is not to play it safe. The time is to... Be intentional about reaching others with the gospel. So right now, as you're standing, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you're a believer here today and one of those aspects of the vision has convicted you, maybe, maybe you're not involved in community and you know you should be. Maybe you're like, it's too hard, it's too messy, but God's challenging you. It's biblical to be in community. Maybe you're not serving. Maybe you've been burnt out and you've been hurt and God's telling you, all right, you've taken enough time to rest and renew. Now is the time to get reconnected. Maybe you haven't been sharing your faith faithfully. So if that's you and I'm there with you, just confess that to God. Just say, God, forgive me for you fill in the blank. God, forgive me for not sharing as I should. Forgive me for not being having a sense of urgency with the gospel. As the believers continue to pray, there may be one here today or you're listening online And you've never entered into the greatest relationship ever. You've never received the greatest gift ever. The Bible says that God loved you so much he sent Jesus to die on the cross. And he rose again the third day. And if you've never received the gift of forgiveness, it's you taking a step of faith. The Bible says whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've never done that, this is the invitation to you. Right where you're at, whether here in person, online, Just say a prayer of faith. Say, God, I do believe the gospel. I do believe Jesus died for my sins and paid the price and rose again. And God, I invite Jesus to save me. I invite Jesus to forgive me. Please forgive me for all my sins. And I choose to follow him from this day forward. Father, thank you for all you're doing and all you're going to do. We love you and we give you praise. And all God's children said, amen. You guys may be saved.